So, Buddy Paul, we've been talking about the extravagance of weddings. And when you're talking about extravagant weddings, let's get to rings and the cultures around rings. Uh, should uh, I have a couple of friends that I'm speaking to, and it would seem that people are trying to save a three-month salary or even more, trying to make sure this ring is the rock that's going to last until death. Uh, what would your counsel be on spending on rings? I don't think that's a necessarily a, a bad. I've heard that number thrown out a number of times, like three months salary. I I like the idea of wedding rings. It's just a symbol. Uh, certainly, it's it's not commanded in scripture, but I like the idea of a symbol. It communicates foreverness, and it also communicates to those around you that you're married. But I would be really careful when it comes to cost. I'm just trying to think of of myself. Uh, my wife has a, a basic wedding band, an engagement ring, and then uh, a wedding band. And I found a guy I trusted. I wanted it to be quality. For me, there was a few other factors that I had to take into consideration. I'm a missionary. I live in a, you know, not a wealthy uh, setting, so I did not want her to have something that would be gaudy or that would draw attention to herself. So I bought something that I, I, as a husband, could show my love to her. It was smaller, but it was it was quality, and I wanted to communicate those ideas to her. But at the same time, I didn't want it to be something that would. Um, you know, draw attention similar to the principles in the New Testament where women, when it comes to braided hair, etc., that doesn't mean that a woman shouldn't look nice. She should take care of herself. She should look pretty. She should have attractive clothing, but it shouldn't be something that when you enter into the building that it makes everyone's heads turn. And I think you could use a similar principle for that when it comes to, to the ring. And also, I think the man should interact with the wife on this. Thankfully, I have a wife that would actually be urging me, please don't get something like this. Oh, please, I just need something basic. I mean, that's, that's the way our grandmothers were, right? That's the way my mother was. I look at my parents, you know, married now for almost a, a half century and just a very small basic ring and they have a wonderful marriage and I don't think she ever questioned my my father's love for her but a lot of times now you have ladies who will say I want this one you know I want the biggest one that would concern me frankly if I if if I was marrying someone who is pushing to have something that was really ostentatious like that mm. so they're married for almost a half century and you're on 15 years if you speed up I'm sure you can you can close the gap on those 35 years. And the <laughs> Mind my math there. Okay, and now moving on to um, the kind of wedding that a lady actually wants. Many women speak about it being their big day. They've always dreamed about this. How much pressure should a woman be putting on her groom-to-be for her dream wedding? And does this come, does Lobola affect how much pressure she should be putting and maybe on the ring as well and her preferences if he has to save up for that as well yeah so several things on this first maybe i'm not the one to talk about this because i can tell you i had almost nothing to do with the planning of the wedding i mean i literally showed up a few days before the wedding and i just 
went where people told me. I knew that was her day. I wanted her to have uh, a special day. Uh, I wanted her to have a nice, beautiful dress to to show her her purity uh, to to the audience. So I wanted there to be food. I I wanted to have a special car that I ordered to take us away. So I wanted to have those special things. I wanted to have a special honeymoon, etc. But somehow there has to be a balance. So I'm not here urging grooms to somehow order a pizza and slap it down and, you know, go to the office and just, hey, save your money and budget. I'm not saying that at all. I, I hope in in our, our talk today that I've communicated festivities and celebrations was often the norm in scripture, but somehow there has to be a balance. So that's number one. Number two, we're going to have lots of sessions on Lobola and a lot of questions about is Lobola marriage? I would say no. Lobola itself is not marriage. And I'm defining Lobola as simply the passing off of funds from one family to another. Now, if within Lobola celebration, there's some kind of vows and there's a handing off of the bride on behalf of her family to the groom, and you're including all of those celebrations, then yes, great, we can talk about that. But as far as simply Lobola, we've often said, people say, oh, you don't have Lobola in the Western culture in America, etc. I would say, well, we do put down money, but we're, we're, not, we're not giving in our culture the money to the family. We would be putting that money to show our commitment to her in a ring, in a gift to her to show that we're serious. And the, the idea would be the principle of the children don't provide for the, the parents, but the idea is the parents have had all of this time to raise and their, their family, and then they've had all of this time to raise their funds. Now they're set, so they're not going to ask money from the new couple. Uh, but although I don't, have a, I don't have a problem with the level necessarily. We have principles of the bride price in Scripture, although I think it'd be better probably to call it a betrothal price. So all that to say, yes, we do have examples in our culture of Lobola in a sense, but that money would be put towards towards the ring for the bride. Mm. You brought up the issue of Lobola, and in this context, we even have a brother in Christ who's a friend of ours, and he speaks of how uh, he was sharing with me the other time that his uncle was saying uh, if he starts the Lobola process, he should get the girl pregnant so that she can't run away after he's paid the money. And that was absolutely ridiculous. But um, herein lies the pressure that extravagant amounts of Lobola requirements can put on a young man to to prepare for marriage. And the question is, what are your thoughts on eloping uh, as a young Christian couple? What would you say to people thinking about that? Ooh, eloping. I have to be honest. I considered eloping with my bride. I did too. And uh, the, the young man who's our friend did too as well. So <laughs> I have a feeling there's a lot of people that considered it. And I think in a sense, that's good because you so badly want to get married, right? So... If, if we mean by eloping that you're going to do this secretly, 
and without consent, then I'm definitely opposed to eloping. But if you mean by that, you have consent and the approval of family, there are vows, there are witnesses, but we're going to pass all the festivities, have something very basically, and then just be off. I have no problem with that. And I think in some ways that would save a lot of couples from sexual immorality that they will regret later on. Mm. And then on this issue of uh, finances and extravagance, how much weight would you say a couple should put on the wedding day versus how much they should put on the honeymoon? If you have limited funds, uh, especially once again, if we're talking about this context and with the bridal price, Lobola, or in many other contexts where it's like, okay, I have to save up for the ring or Lobola, and then there's the wedding day, and then there's the honeymoon. Uh, where should the bulk of the money be going in those circumstances? Again, I would, I would say it has to be some kind of balance. I can just say personally, in our own decisions, we used uh, a basic funds for the wedding. When it came to the venue, we used their church building. So automatically, that's free. You know, a lot of people want to have this beautiful setting. Again, hey, if you want to go to Kruger National Park or whatever to pay that, that's fine. There's nothing unbiblical about that. But for us, we wanted to be very careful with our finances. So the venue was the church. You had all kinds of church ladies being involved with this, the photographer, another church guy. That's why it's so important to have a, a closeness with your local church because you'll find that they'll be so excited. I know that was the case for your wedding, right, Carney? I mean, you just think about all the things that were saved. And that's really, the, I think, the principle of, of the local church. We're helping one another. I can, I'll, I'll provide the flowers and I'll, I'll make the cake and I'll make the wedding dress. And before you know it, because you did things the right way and you invested so much in the local church, you're going to find out that that's going to really have a lot of financial benefits too. Now you have someone who's not in church at all or kind of distant from the church, and now they're going to, you know, reap the consequences. Now they're going to have to pay all of these extras for that. So now, if you did things the right way, you use the church venue, you have all the church people helping, and he's taking the photos, and they're making the cake, and they're making the food, which is very much the case for our wedding. I think it was the case for your wedding as well. Now you notice you saved all kinds of money. Hey, put that towards, put that towards a honeymoon. Even for us, we tried to be clever with our, our honeymoon. We had to fly back to South Africa for our missionary service. So on the way, we went to Germany. Great, that's a part of a honeymoon. But even there, there were believers in Germany and we can stay with them. And we were able to see all of the sites in Germany, but ways to save money. I think if you, if you use biblical wisdom and, and follow the plans of scripture, especially the importance of the local church, you can save a lot of money and still enjoy it. My wife and I had the blessing of a couple in Nelspreit opening up their uh, cottage to us for our honeymoon. And we got to enjoy the Nelspreit environment and in the churches, you're saying there's so many people just overflowing with love as a part of being a part of the local church. And it, it, it happens through natural relationships. You, some people could try and fix the system by when they're right about to get married, they try to hop in a local church. Yeah. And I've heard Pastor Tim mention numerous times that there are people who've come to him almost like a 
get a pastor on demand uh, just to get married. And he's like, whoa, 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 slow down. I'm not just going to marry you. I need to check if this is a, a, a good situation that I am approving. And in the same way, because of the relationships my wife and I had been blessed with in the church, people were kind in that way. And a young lady uh, mentioned after uh, who came to my wedding mentioned that, you know, I was I was at your wedding and I saw how everything just looked right. It looked safe the way you approached the relationship, the way everything was done. And I want that. I really want that. And so uh, she started considering going to a more sound church. And that was an encouragement um, of just the testimony that exists in the the local church. So thanks. And and by the way, it makes me think of, you you said hopping in with a church so they can get a pastor basically to, to officiate their wedding. We've had a twist of that. That's happened actually here, but it's not for a wedding. It's for a funeral. So we've often thought about that on our side of, is this person coming uh, they're getting up in years and and now they they need someone to officiate their funeral and funerals as you know are just such a huge thing around here make sure that you're connected to a church so that you can have someone why why is that really quickly like in Bokota I've noticed like well even just in the community and around you don't see or hear much about weddings or marriages as you mentioned but there's so much surrounding funerals it's almost like every weekend or during the week when you see cars parading up the gravel dirt roads next to the cows there's a funeral going on nearby why is that i mean that could be a whole podcast of why that is it i think it is very much a part of african culture how important the funeral is it's it's viewed not only as just a time to to respect the dead but it really is like a family reunion this is where people from you see all kinds of gp plates and people coming from all over the place to to come together for a kind of reunion i think there are also some some religious backgrounds to that as well uh respecting the ancestors and ancestor worship and and uh, making sure that you you honor the dead in such a way to 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 appease the ancestors that could be another discussion for another time Mm, yes i'd look forward to that one because i can actually remember um a certain situation when a funeral was being discussed and uh, the discussion, I remember the gentleman leading the funeral discussion saying that make sure that each of you get involved either financially or get involved through good deeds because the ancestors are watching from the other side. And for it to go well with you in life, you have to pour into it. Uh, in this way but that as you said is a discussion for another day what a treat Mfundisi to our audience if you've enjoyed this podcast please be sure to rate it and subscribe to keep posted with more upcoming content feel free to share this episode with someone who might find it interesting and submit any questions you may want answered on a future podcast you can email those questions to paulsleyline at gmail.com you can also visit betweentwocultures.com for other resources like this I'm your host, Yamikani Katunga, and until next time, that's it from Missionary Minds.